Jeremy Hardy's New Year Cavalcade, a somber and reflective variety spectacular to bring the festive season to a faltering climax. And here to ring out Old Father Time's winged serpent and drape it on a radiator is the host with the guests, Mr. Jeremy Hardy. Hello and thank you for being with me at this difficult time. In this program, I shall be hoping to draw a discreet veil over 2004 and to look forward to 2005 with something approaching cheerful despair. <laughs> with me are three people, each of whom has in some way been affected by things that have happened to them. Jack D., John Oliver and Armando Iannucci. Hello. Hello. Now, New Year is a time we associate with resolutions, and these were invented by the Babylonians 4,000 years ago. And apparently the most common resolution was to return borrowed farm equipment. <laughs> this tells us that the tradition of not giving shears back to your neighbours is much older than previously thought. <laughs> now seems like a good time for my guests to tell me what their resolutions are for 2005. Jack? Um, I've decided I'm going I'm to stop um, attacking people. <laughs> randomly. The way I'm going to do this is I'm going to, I'm going to uh, prevent myself from hanging around in pub car parks and uh, <laughs> starting needless fights. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to stop pulling people's ears off when I see them using one of those Bluetooth devices <laughs> for hands-free telephone usage because it doesn't look good. I, I, it annoys me that. It's like Star Trek technology on ugly people. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. But when you see the people that have them, you know why they need a hand free, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how about uh, John? What about you? What's your New Year's resolution? Uh, I'm going to drop third world debt. Uh, there are a few third world countries that owe me a bit of money. And uh, Kenya owes me 70 quid. Uh, Sudan owes me a tenner. And uh, Nigeria owes me a favour after I gave it a lift home one night when it was a bit drunk. And I listened to Bono at the Labour Party conference. He just made a lot of sense. So I'm going to wipe the slate, slate clean and just hope that they don't spend the money on arms. Yeah. Uh, I'm also uh, going to resolve to be on more panel shows where I'm the least well-known panellist by <laughs> a phenomenal margin. <laughs> and that laugh of relief from the audience says more than a thousand heckles. <laughs> Ever could. Thank you very much. And uh, Armando? I uh, resolved not to ask a Metropolitan Policeman the time while carrying a chair leg. <laughs> That's it. Even, even if it's an imitation chair leg. <laughs> my New Year's resolution is to spend more time spying on my neighbours. Now, um, you, you look at uh, curtain twitchers and you think, oh, nosy old bat, but I have to say, it is fascinating. Curtain twitching is marvellous. It's better than reality TV because it's actually reality. And uh, the listeners at home, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go to your window and stare out. Now, don't give up straight away if nothing happens. Keep at it because eventually anything becomes compelling. If you just look long enough, after a while, you just find yourself thinking, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> He's got a Tesco's bag and a Summerfield bag. Now, either he's been to Tesco's first, and then they've run out of something, so he's gone on to Summerfield, or else he's gone to Summerfield, he's on his way back, and he realises he's forgotten something, so he pops into Tesco, or he shops for different things competitively that have different prices in the two stores, or he's an Al-Qaeda operative. <laughs> 
collecting carrier bags to make a balloon and float over the town hall dropping anthrax during a meeting of the Parks and Leisure Committee assassinating at least two of our most prominent Liberal Democrats when they least expect it. I'm phoning the police. Again. But now it's time for us to look at how New Year is celebrated in different cultures. It's best not to believe what we hear about the way other cultures celebrate it. Given the information available to them about how we celebrate ours, I suspect all the stuff we hear about them is absolute cobblers. Foreigners are given to believe that in Britain we celebrate something called just a few things on sticks so you might want to eat before you come. (laughs) It seems that at a British New Year, tradition has it people eat monster munch, a kind of packaging material made from rice cakes and nerve gas to symbolise renewal, and they drink petrol to symbolise drink driving. And it's traditional to buy lottery tickets as a symbol of bad luck. And a large pig's bladder called a piñada colada is stuffed with a pineapple sent every year as a gift from the people of Hawaii in thanks for the airlifting of much-needed ham during World War II. (laughs) The piñada colada is suspended from a kind of gibbet as a warning to others, and children beat it with long sticks made from Catholics, which the Catholics (laughs) enjoy, and it's more humane than shooting them. When the bladder bursts, the children are soaked in a sickly yellow liquid called Sunny Delight. And and whichever child catches the leaves of the pineapple is the next to marry Bill Wyman. (laughs) But it's time to turn to our panel of exports. Panel of exports. (laughs) I don't think Britain still has exports, apart from Kendall mint cake and instruments of torture. But let's turn to our panel of experts to find out what predictions they have for next year. Now, Jack, what are your predictions for 2005? I think if I, if I have one wish uh, for 2005, um, the thing I want more than world peace and an end to poverty is this. I wish everybody would shut up about how great iPods are. Because <laughs> if you love your iPod, as I've heard so many people profess, then it's because, in my opinion, you were either brought up by a small slab of white plastic that knew over 10,000 lullabies, or human beings and pets have let you down very badly in the past. (laughs) The truth is, though, that the success of the iPod rests on the fact that music itself is not all it's cracked up to be. You can have all your music on one small unit so that you can listen to it whenever, wherever. But why do you want to do that? Because sitting down in an armchair and listening to music is boring. (laughs) Even your favourite music is so unappealing to you that you have to do something else whilst listening to it. If you're honest with yourselves, listening to music is the only hobby there is that's so boring you need to be doing another hobby while you're doing it. (laughs) It's like I've always said, you can't paint the ceiling whilst playing hockey. (laughs) I'm with the government. I say ban music from schools. What do we think about Band Aid 20? I, I just think, for me, because the original had a certain naive charm and you could forgive the appalling words like, do they know it's Christmas? Well, no, because they don't have it in their country. <laughs> the Band Aid thing, what I disapprove of is, is this whole idea that that's charity, because what it is is people giving money in order to hear their favourite bands. That's not charity, that's trade. See, <laughs> charity, you're getting something back for it. Charity is when you pay your money and get nothing back for it. It should be like an equitable life pension. (laughs) John, 
Uh, I predict that there's going to be a referendum on the EU constitution. Now, you might think, John, that's not a prediction, that's a fact. Uh, but I predict it's going to be a real humdinger and really capture the public mood. My only hope is that the government can combat the arguments of the anti-European lobby, which do seem quite strong at the moment. They argue that if we sign up for the European Constitution, one, within 48 hours, everybody will be dead. Uh, two, if your child falls below certain European height stipulations, it will be reclassified as a dog. And three, every zebra crossing will actually have to have a zebra crossing. Thank you very much, John. Now, Armando, we haven't heard very much from you this evening. Yes, that's because I was a late booking. Yes. <laughs> Um, I predict that Robert Kilroy Silk will found his own sex <laughs> and he'll ring up NASA and he'll say that in the next satellite they send up um, that's been sent to see if there's any alien life out there, they normally draw a naked man and a naked woman on the side so that if, if it happens to land in an alien's garden, they can work out that's what we look like. I think Robert Kilroy Silk is going to ring NASA up and demand that next to the picture a naked Robert Kilroy Silk <laughs> kneeling with a microphone in his hand saying, and how did it feel? <laughs> <laughs> and um, they're going to launch an inquiry into inquiries because <laughs> people are so fed up with inquiries that are complete whitewashes that they're going to have one big one to look into the whole mess, uh, fronted by Peter Mandelson. <laughs> It's interesting that you mention uh, sending information out into space for extraterrestrials to find out about us, because, I mean, New Year is a time for atoning and looking back at past mistakes and clearing up misunderstandings. And during my last series of um, Jeremy Hardy Speaks the Nation, I did make disparaging remarks about extraterrestrials who visit our country, because all they seem to do by way of exploration is to carry out anal probes on people from the American <laughs> South. And I was wondering what they hope to find out the rear end of a retarded Texan. And I now realise it's Tony Blair. <laughs> uh, now, the history of how we ended up with New Year's Day fixed on January the 1st is not only fascinating, but also extremely dull. <laughs> January the 1st was chosen by the Romans, who predicted that in the period after Christmas, people would be broke, so it would be best if there were a few weeks when their cheques didn't clear, because they'd have the wrong year on them. <laughs> then Julius Caesar had to resynchronize the calendar with the sun by letting the year... 47 BC run for 445 days. That's one hell of a countdown when you're standing with an itchy finger on the string of a party popper. <laughs> he established the Julian calendar, named after himself, even though his name wasn't Julian. New Year was then pushed back to the vernal equinox by the church in 576 AD, but in 1582, Pope Gregory restored it to January the 1st, the day that Jesus was circumcised by Jewish tradition eight days after his birth. Now, some Catholics still celebrate January the 1st as the feast of Christ's circumcision. For centuries, Christian scholars wrestled with the issue of Christ's circumcision. St. Augustine argues that in the Old Testament, original sin is removed from baby boys by circumcision. But of course, uh, Jesus wouldn't have been guilty of original sin because of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, St. Bernard, in his sermon on Christ's circumcision, asks Jesus directly, How could circumcision have been needful to thee, who hadst neither committed sin nor contracted its stains? but then St. Bernard was a big fluffy dog. <laughs> um, 
who gave brandy to injured skiers, even though alcohol fatally lowers the body temperature in sub-zero conditions. <laughs> now, Chinese New Year is in um, January or February based on a lunar calendar. The Western calendar is solar, which means it doesn't need batteries. Now, the... <laughs> The Chinese calendar is to do with the cycles of the moon, and every year is the year of one of 12 animals. Now, these are apparently the only 12 animals who turned up to say farewell to the Lord Buddha before he left Earth. Now, for Westerners, this provides a fascinating insight into Eastern culture. I suspect for Chinese people, it's spectacular cobbers, but a chance to wind up whitey. (laughs) Well, let's go for it and check out our Chinese horoscopes. Now, I've printed all these off. Jack, when were you born? Uh, I was born in 1961. 61, same as me. Which is the year of the ox? Year of the ox. Oxen are born leaders, inspiring confidence in everyone they come into contact with. However, they can be demanding. Methodical and good with their hands, they are fine surgeons and hairdressers. (laughs) I I can assure you I'm actually very good at both. (laughs) <laughs> I just, uh, the, the idea that the, the, uh, the Chinese chose all these animals because they were the ones who, who turned up to observe the Buddha's farewell yeah. from this uh, that must have been a very strange wake wasn't it that party <laughs> imagine the fact the Buddha's family afterwards saying well who was that snake and <laughs> <laughs> the dragon turn up I'd never seen him before have you <laughs> yeah. John when were you born young boy uh, 1977. Oh, bless. That's ridiculous. Oh, seven. <laughs> 27 years old, yeah. Joke's older than you. Um, <laughs> do, do you know what an LP is? No. <laughs> You're the year of the snake. It says here, people born in the year of the snake are romantic and deep-thinking, yeah. wise and charming, yeah. although tend to dismiss others too quickly. That's rubbish, but carry on. And are... <laughs> And are a bit stingy with money. Ideal jobs include teaching or psychiatry. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a a future for your son. Dismissing others quickly is ideal for both teaching and psychiatry. (laughs) I'm feeling a bit ill. Get out. Dismissed. Especially for psychiatrists. Oh, moan, moan, moan. Get off my bloody couch. (laughs) uh, I'm, I'm paired up with Roger Bannister... Bert Bacharach, Neil Diamond, Paddy Ashdown, Bob Dylan, and Val Doonigan. <laughs> and can I take this chance to say how pleased I am that Val has made a comeback onto lists like these? <laughs> He's been left off for too long, and it's great to see Doonigan back where he belongs, marking the Chinese New Year. <laughs> You've no right even knowing who he is at your age. <laughs> Have you ever seen those Chinese New Year festivals where about 24 kids dress up as Val Doonigan and parade down the In street? In a big cardigan. In a big cardigan. <laughs> a frightening cardigan. That breeds fire. He was, he was kind of the provisional wing of Perry Como, wasn't he? <laughs> so, Armando, when did you, you... Uh, 1963. Oh, also quite young. Makes you 42. Mm. Pretty little thing, aren't you? <laughs> 1963, year of the rabbit. Oh, how ironic, because I am allergic to headlights. <laughs> Say you're allergic, I'd say you're just headlight intolerant. <laughs> How come there was only Enter the Dragon and never Enter the Rabbit? Oh, there was actually, but oh. <laughs>
Right, well, um, let's move on to talking about Western New Year. Uh, food is always a big part of New Year. In Holland, apparently, people eat donuts because they are round and symbolize the circle of life. Presumably that's ring donuts. Other donuts would symbolize life having no jam for a really long time and then suddenly way too much jam all in one go. <laughs> Now, Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, is celebrated not in midwinter, but in the early autumn, and honey and apples are eaten to symbolise dreary crunch bars. <laughs> the Jewish midwinter festival is Hanukkah, and it's then that round foods are said to symbolise the circle of life. Hanukkah means rededication. It commemorates the rededication of the temple to Judaism after the Maccabees formed an army to defeat the Syrians. The light in the temple that is supposed to stay lit all the time to deter burglars was relit, <laughs> but there was only enough oil for one day and because of a miracle it burned for eight days so Hanukkah lasts eight days now the story of Hanukkah has had a huge impact and even today wars in the Middle East are usually in some way connected to oil <laughs> the fact is New Year, Christmas and Hanukkah are all at a time of year when you need comfort food the trouble is it's a terrible time Christmas and New Year because it's about eight days of eating white people's food <laughs> We're just not used to it anymore in our culture. We get listless, spotty, constipated and desperate for a curry. <laughs> but Jack, I understand that in your household, not only are you not violent, but you also do quite a lot of the cooking. That's right, Jeremy. Now, Jack, you've come up with some ideas for what to do with all those Christmas leftovers. No, that's what I have, Jeremy. The best thing to do uh, with leftovers is to throw them away and go shopping again. <laughs> I'm going to show you how to prepare a couple of recipes using only ingredients from shops. Um, now, to start with, I'm going to show you a traditional old British favourite with a little twist of my own to it. Yeah, because the trouble with many of our traditional dishes is they're chock-a-block with starches and fats. Well, they are, so I've come up with my own version of scrummy steak and kidney pudding. I call it my crispy tuna fish and sweet corn hot pot bake Italian style. <laughs> And is it essential to use tuna? Well, actually, Jeremy, no, that's, that's, that's the beauty of this dish. Uh, pilchards, mackerel, sardines, luncheon meat, apricots, <laughs> almost anything canned. Well, in go the rest of the ingredients. That's the sweet corn going in there. And uh, mm -hmm. cheese on top? Oh, absolutely. And is that ordinary cheese? No, 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 no. This is, uh, this is we call this grated cheese. Right. Um, <laughs> Now, uh, no bake would be complete without the crispy, crunch, lovely topping. Is that where the bits of dry bread come in? Yes, that's right. And is this left over from Christmas? Oh, no, long before that. This is really off. Right. <laughs> I, I won't be eating it. But can you use a food processor to save time? Yeah, you certainly can. You, uh, you don't really want to save time at New Year, though. It means you have to spend longer talking to your relatives <laughs> and, you know, offering them things, and they always say yes, don't they? They stay too you, long. You, they say, well, only if you're having one, and you think, well, if I was just going to have one, I'd stay in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> have a quiet one without you, you know. And I've had four already anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Would you like tea or coffee? Well, whatever you... I mean, Whichever's no. easiest. None, none of it's easiest. <laughs> what would be easiest is if you went home now. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, let's pop that in the oven and our sushi and sweet corn pizza in its jacket. Toasty turnover should be ready in no time. Yep. And while we're waiting for that to brown, I'm going to show you a starter which makes the perfect accompaniment to our bake for a touch of oriental magic and for any vegetarians who've strayed unwanted into our dinner party. <laughs> oh. They are a nuisance, aren't, aren't they? they? Absolutely, a oh. bleating bloody nuisance. I can't eat this, I can't eat that. Can't or won't. <laughs> anyway, to cater for their needs... Uh, this guy, you know, came to dinner and he, was a ma he had a macrobiotic diet oh. and he produced a Tupperware box containing with 
what looked like to me like just sand. <laughs> I just wanted to push his sallow, smug face into it. Yeah. Anyway, to cater for our hub, <laughs> I've come up with this, my authentic Eastern tofu surprise. And the surprise is, it's liver. <laughs> now, now, I've cubed this into one-inch diced cube-style pieces, but, of course, tofu doesn't actually taste of anything. Which is where our marinade comes in. Yes, it does. To mask the flavour of the liver and, and give it tofu's famous white colour, I'm rolling the liver now in, in a little tipex. Then I, <laughs> I spear them with cocktail sticks. So, kind of a cheesy pineapple satay kebab fill to the starters. That's right. And then fried with onions and a little bacon, your guests won't even know they're eating meat <laughs> until they feel less run down than normal the next day. Right. <laughs> now, let's look at uh, the family traditions of our guests. Now, uh, what happens in the Oliver household at New Year, John? Uh, well, we practice an old Oliver family tradition that goes back millions of years. Uh, to avoid disappointment in the upcoming year, we each write our hopes and dreams for the year ahead onto little pieces of paper and then empty them onto a bonfire. Uh, it is actually eerily prophetic. Last year, I wrote down Peace in the Middle East and Paula Radcliffe to finish the Olympic marathon, and you know, neither came true. I'm like a modern-day Nostradamus, only a bit clearer. <laughs> What about uh, Armando? What about your family? Have you got any...? Uh, yeah, well, uh, New Year, we, in Scottish households, we play uh, pin the blame on the Scottish Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> Armando, you're a yeah. very strict Roman Catholic, aren't you? Am I? I mean, having the name Arnucci and coming from Glasgow. Yeah, I'm strictly Roman Catholic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that could be a new thing with Julian Clary and... Um... Yeah. <laughs> Get people, people, celebrities dancing with priests. <laughs> I love the idea of bringing back old television series and putting people like Graham Norton in the front. I'm looking forward to The Ascent of Man with Julian Clary. <laughs> I thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes, we have a Scottish-Italian hogmany. We have uh, Hogmaninissimi. <laughs> no idea what it means. Well, I was looking up New Year's traditions, and uh, actually on the internet I found this about Scottish New Year. It said, the food they eat at New Year is haggis, shortbread, scones and oat cakes, which is actually the entire Scottish cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> That's everything. <laughs> but bless. Uh, well, on, on the, uh, Thanks. <laughs> Why don't you just say it, but patronise? Yeah. But welcome to our country. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom, as you say. As you say where you come from. <laughs> Jeremy Hardy, the acceptable face of modern racism. <laughs> Jack, what, what happens in the D household? Uh, well, we invite Geoffrey Hoon over and... Um, <laughs> Someone has to. And uh, we play past the arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> I spend New Year's Eve, uh, well, the latter part of New Year's Eve, uh, wedged between the uh, garden shed and next-door neighbour's fence because I find it easier to stand up. <laughs> Sometimes when you go to a party, people insist that their party guests do something that they always did in their family, like putting one segment of satsuma in their mouth for every one of the 12 bongs at midnight. And I tend to think, I'm no more interested in the weird practices of your dysfunctional upbringing than I am in the fact that despite being a 35-year-old architect called Hermione, you have a nickname that arose because your baby brother couldn't pronounce Hermione. So everyone since then has called you Hera. <laughs>
Now, before we wrap up, which isn't far away, I'd like to ask the guests who uh, their nominations for the Man or Woman of the Year. Uh, Armando, who's your man or woman of 2004? Who should be getting a New Year's honour? I don't know if it's possible, but my man of the year is, uh, or was, Ronald Reagan, because he had a very, very elaborate funeral service. He seemed to have five funerals. He had a funeral in uh, Washington, and then his coffin was transferred to the Senate, and there was another funeral there. And then he was and the flown over... the rabbit and the dog and the cat and the snake. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then he was flown over to California and he had another funeral there. And, and then I read somewhere that he'd actually had a hand in the arrangement of his own funeral. And I thought, you must never put someone in charge of arranging their own funeral who has Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> So somehow, for what he's done for sufferers of that condition, I would nominate him. What about, uh, what about John? Who would you give a New Year's honour to? Who would be your man or woman of the year? Well, New Year's honour. Well, for a start, I think, if, if there's going to be any more New Year's honours lists, which there clearly are, that they should now work on the samurai understanding of the word honour. Uh, if you want an MBE, you should have to first hunt and perform a duel with someone who has an MBE and slay them. <laughs> and uh, then, then you have to hold your MBE by you know, battling to the death. And if you bring shame upon your MBE, you should be expected to commit a, a ritual suicide. Let's see if Norman Wisdom's quite so keen on it then. <laughs> if you don't go for him, I, I would go for David Davis. Now, I realise that's a maverick choice. He's the shadow home secretary. Uh, <laughs> and the, fact, the fact you said what really does not bode well for the election next year for the Tories. Uh, and he recently, uh, when they were talking about uh, whether you should be able to kill burglars, which he's well behind, he said, he said, it was my favourite quote of the year, he said, obviously, if a 12-year-old boy comes into your garden to steal some apples, you should not be able to bludgeon him to death. Oh, <laughs> What I, what I like about this is that the shadow home secretary thinks that the most immediate problem affecting youth crime is apple scrubbing. But if you can't bludgeon a 12-year-old boy to death, who can you bludgeon exactly. to death? Exactly. So you make great cider. <laughs> Surely an Englishman's home should be his castle, which means it should be a ruin with a gift shop. <laughs> Jack, what, uh, who would be your man of the year? The, the honours. Have you had to turn any down? Have you ever been asked? I was actually <laughs> once asked if I wanted to be pipe smoker of the year. And I had to write back and said, I actually don't smoke pipes. Um, and they said, well, it's not, not that important, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like Will Young to get an OBE for his services to music. <laughs> There's no punchline. I just wondered what the reaction would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're coming towards the end of the show, and as I said, New you Year keep is... promising that. No, <laughs> I know, it's not fair, is it? I mean, the Black Watch made it home for Christmas, and look at us. <laughs> well, thank you. I'd like to thank all my guests. That's it for 2004. A year went by. We achieved nothing. We didn't meet up with any of the people to whom we said, let's not let another year go by till we meet up <laughs> last year. Our fitness regime tore its cartilage. Our posture didn't improve. We didn't read Ulysses, but at least we didn't die. <laughs> Goodbye. Jeremy Hardy's New Year Cavalcade was written by and starred Jeremy Hardy with special guests Jack D., John Oliver, and Armando Iannucci. The program was produced by David Tyler and was a positive production for the BBC. BBC.